Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Warren Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Brady, we're sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe in your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today's topic is, should I hire a virtual assistant? And um, this has been a topic that I've wanted to do for quite some time. And, and, and the reason for it is, is this is that, you know, there are actually a lot of reasons for it. The first reason is, you know, for a while I was a a sole practitioner um, before I joined um, uh, Brady Ware. And um, uh, that practice, frankly, was successful. Uh, You know, I I didn't join Brady Ware because I wasn't having success, just that they offered me opportunities. I knew that I I could not really find and exploit on my own. But one of the reasons, a big reason that that practice worked was because early on I hired a virtual assistant um, and actually hired multiple virtual assistants along the way. And we'll kind of talk about that, we'll talk about that, um, uh, that model. But, um, you know, the, I think the single best decision I made for my own company was hiring a virtual assistant because it it provided so much leverage and it took things off my plate and out of my mental bandwidth that frankly just didn't need to be there. And, and this virtual assistant was fantastic. She's since retired, but you know, it was a, it was an individual that there are certain things I could hand off to scheduling meetings in particular. And I just knew I didn't have to worry about them. And um, you know, I frankly, one of the things I miss about being a sole practitioner is having that because, and this gets into the second point I wanted to raise, you know, one of the things that our economy has done in the last 35 years is we have decided to de-assistantize our economy. You know, when, when my father was frankly my age, um, and he just, just turned 77. So happy birthday, dad. Um, you know, he, he had his own personal assistant for a long time, probably about 20 years, actually. And, you know, and, and it wasn't uncommon for, you know, partners in big four accounting firms to have their own assistant or at most they might share that assistant with, with one or two people. And then, you know, our economy decided that we were going to get efficient and the way we were going to get efficient as an economy is we were going to take people that build at $500 an hour and we were going to have them do $50 an hour work. Right. And that's the way that we decided that we were going to streamline and really, and really cut the fat out. And um, as, as you can tell, you know, I don't think that it's a, I think, frankly, it's a failed, um, I think it's a failed mechanism. Um, I, you know, I think that kind of change probably looks great in the PL for about a year or so, but I, frankly, I think it's been, 
I, I think it's been a mistake. And even though I, I think the administrative assistants we have at Bradyware are fantastic and, and, you know, they do what they do, but, but for them to get the same level of service when they're having to take care of, you know, 40 of us garbanzos in our office, as opposed to one garbanzo like me, you know, it's just a different level of service. I cannot, I cannot expect that same level of service. And frankly, I will not, I will not burden them with it because it's, it's simply an unfair ask. And, and so one of the ways that the market has responded now is with the virtual assistant, you know, in particular, because so many of us have gone solo, we started small businesses and, and, you know, hiring an assistant, you know, at a, I'm just going to throw a number out there, you know, a salary of, of 40,000, maybe at the lower end, over a hundred thousand for the really high end ones that rise to levels of chiefs of staff and so forth. You know, it's just, it's, that, that's tough to add that. That's tough to add that, that, that startup cost, especially if you're, if you're just starting your business, you really don't, you really don't know exactly what that assistant's going to do on a day-to-day basis. And, um, and, and you know, hiring an assistant is one of those things that it, it's like, it's like avoiding going to the dentist. You don't, you don't really feel the impact day-to-day of, man, when you finally get back in that dentist chair, you sure wish you'd gone back three months earlier. I think assistants are kind of that way as well. And so I want to visit this topic because I think, you know, now with, with coronavirus, lots of people are starting their own businesses um, for a, a number of reasons. And frankly, I think, I think the virtual assistant is still a relatively unknown quantity in our economy. And uh, if you don't know about virtual assistants, I know, I, I believe that you should, because again, it, it was so helpful to me. And, and frankly, there may be a role yet even in, in my role working within a company to, to have one that, that does some things that I cannot realistically expect you know, our administrative staff to do. So I hope you're going to find this interesting. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think you will. So joining us for today's program is Essie Escobedo, who is Chief Executive Angel of Office Angels, which provides meaningful work to highly experienced and trained business professionals who wish to work on a flexible part-time freelance or profit project basis. A supreme networker, Essie is well-known and highly, respect, highly respected member of the greater Atlanta business community. She has served on the boards of the Atlanta chapter of the National Association of Women Business Owners, the Atlanta Women's Network, and the Professional Women's Information Network, ProWin. She currently serves in the advisory boards for ProWin and Access for Capital Entrepreneurs, is an active member of the Georgia Consortium for Personal Financial Literacy, and mentors on starting and running a successful business with the Edge Connection. Um, I didn't know that. I'm a big fan of the Edge Connection. Uh, the North Fulton Chamber of Commerce named Essie as a business person of excellence for 2018. She was a finalist for the Chamber's 2018 Small Business Person of the Year Award and was honored by ProWin with a Business Builder Award and was nominated for a TurkNet Leadership Character Award. I was too. Essie has been featured in various business media, including the Atlanta Business Chronicle, Voyage ATL, Atlanta Business Radio, Business Radio X, and News Talk 1160. Essie holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Physics from the American University and served as Adjunct Professor of Business at Lanier Technical College. Um, in addition to her business acumen, Essie's been a beloved mentor, coach, and trainer to her angels, clients, and friends. Her calm, proactive, practical, and gracious style brings out the best in people and creates winning outcomes. It sounds like she's going to class up the joint. Essie, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. 
So, uh, you know, Essie, it's, it's funny when I, when I bring people on, you know, I find, I find things that I have in common with them that, that I, I, I didn't necessarily know, but we, you know, we have a, a number of common te- touch points, which, um, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that's good. Um, cause I think, I think you're lifting me up rather than my bringing you down. Um, <laughs> but I, I have to ask this question. What was the path that took you from physics to doing this? Uh, Mike, I don't think we have enough time. <laughs> is there is there but a thirty it, second but, version, or should I just, just move on? Let's just say it was circuitous. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, look, I was a French major in college, and I don't, I, I you know, I don't think I've been to France in about thirty years. So, um, so w- when we talk about a virtual assistant, what what is that? You know. That can mean so many things to so many different people. Uh, so <laughs> obviously, it's someone who assists from virtually and not in person. Uh, today, uh, people use that term to mean uh, they want somebody to help them with their marketing. They help. They want someone to do executive admin type work. Uh, it could even mean that they want someone to help with bookkeeping. So you really have to clearly define what the role would be uh, for someone you would like to have as your virtual assistant. Obviously, uh, one person cannot do uh, both your bookkeeping and your marketing. That's right, true. probably not. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think that they would probably do either one well. Um, but people ask. So it, to me, when you, when you decide that you're looking for a virtual assistant, the first thing you need to do is put a job description together. So um, I'm, I'm kind of curious now. And I mean, as I was putting this show together, I was thinking about virtual assistants and, and the in the pandemic environment. I mean, at some point, I wonder, I kind of wonder, I'd like you to react to this. I wonder if so many assistants are virtual that we now just call them assistants, right? I wonder how much the virtual distinction even matters. Uh, well, probably not in the long, in, in the, in the final analysis, uh, because uh, some of the people who work, quote unquote, virtually are also meeting face to face before COVID that is. Yep. Um, and it, it can be a combination of both. The technology enables so much of the work to be done without ha- physically having to go somewhere. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. We can call it an assistant <laughs> and then define where, where the work's going to take place. Yeah, I think that's um uh I think that's right. Um and and I think you know the 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 nature of the assistant's role is changing so much now because I mean just by virtue of just by virtue of of the virtualization of the workplace nearly overnight just what we're asking people to do is different. Exactly. And um especially now um you know so many people are looking for work from home because of COVID. Yep. So it's, it's, uh, 
And, and if you haven't had experience working in a virtual environment, uh, it, it is different. Uh, there's a, you know, the communication aspect. You have to, you, you have to be very, very clear in your communication and in, in uh, being very specific about what your um, expectations are, what your turnaround times are. Uh, you're not in close proximity, so you have to trust that the person is going to execute um, and um, deliver a, according to your expectation. Yeah, and I want to get back to that because I, I do think the management element is a very important part of this conversation. But I don't want to jump ahead because there are a couple of topics I want to cover first. And and one of them is what what can you ask a what could you what are the kinds of things you could ask a virtual assistant to do? I would say that it would be limited to anything that uh, you know administrative tasks, um, setting appointments, uh, keeping the calendar. Uh, formatting documents, uh, uh, reviewing, uh, uh, proofreading, copy editing. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a broad range of what we would typically know of being administrative. But then on top of that, there are some people who need, who are asking for what I call a, a marketing support services, which are, you know, very different than what we have known to be the role of an executive admin, for example. Yeah. And, and, you know, interestingly enough too, I I think one area where I've noticed the name virtual assistant pop up more frequently now is with social media. Um, You know, the, the, I maintain my own social media account and and I'm pretty aggressive with it, but I'm tapped out. I'd probably need a virtual assistant realistically to do more. But, you know, uh, th- 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 there's so much effort is required to maintain a social media presence and actually get something out of it that, you know, I do, I, I'm seeing, and I'm curious if you're going to see, if you're going to say you see the same thing, I think there's going to develop, or maybe there's already developing a subspecialty just of people that can manage a firm's or an individual's social media presence, particularly across, you know, a number of platforms. Absolutely. We, I don't call them virtual assistants. I call them marketing assistants. And, and is, is there a reason for that? I mean, is, is, is it because marketing assistants, they prefer that term or it's just easier branding or, or why is it that you choose to use a different term for that? Because they, they, their focus and their expertise is, is in marketing. It's not in uh, proofreading documents and doing, uh, you know, traditional administrative support services. And it's not something they necessarily like to do or want to do either. Yeah. And, 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 and I agree with that. You know, those, those things are entirely different and, and social media, you know, it just, it, it just doesn't work anymore if you address it on an amateur level, right? It's, it's really, it really has to be addressed professionally or just wasting your time. And so having a specialist that, that understands that, that likes that, that, and also frankly can keep up with the cadence of work because it's not just post one thing and done, you know, you're off to really do it right. You're having, you're having to post things on multiple platforms, multiple times a day. And, you know, when I talk social media with my colleagues and my clients, you know, they complain that it's effectively a full-time job and they're not wrong. 
Um, and that's, it sounds like it's a great, that's another great use for a virtual assistant or a marketing assistant and to use your words. Right. Absolutely. Well, and, and, uh, you know, in, for, in my company, we put teams together. I, I typically do not have an administrative person, uh, who says she knows how to, how to use, uh, Hootsuite, for example, uh, do marketing. They don't know marketing. Yep. So I would put a team together, have an yep. admin and a marketing person and then a bookkeeper. So, uh, you know, I, that, that's an interesting, that's an interesting model. I like, I'd like to, to kind of drill down on that. So you see, you see scenarios, you actually help clients with scenarios where they in fact need more than one virtual assistant to get done what they need done. And you actually put a team together. Absolutely. You have to bring in the the the, the people who are um, who have the expertise in, in 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 the in the different areas. I mean, you you just can't. Doesn't work to have a. I don't. You can't have an admin doing bookkeeping if they don't yeah. know bookkeeping. If they don't know accounting, it and, doesn't work. And and. When you put teams together, are they often people that have worked together before, or are they more often people that are working together for the first time? They're working together for the first time, but they're but they're working virtually. Uh, and and as long as we have a very clearly defined job description, and everybody knows what what their job is, it it works like a dream. So that that. That segues nicely into what I think is going to be a big chunk of this conversation, which is is managing virtual assistants, right? I think uh, one of the one of the things that I think is has been underrated a little bit, not terribly, but I, I think it focuses on some very narrow things. But the fact that we have to approach management differently, you know, the the the, the days of managing by walking around and sort of looking over people's shoulders and correcting them on the fly. I mean, they're just gone. Right. And, and frankly, you know, I, I never managed that way anyway, because I'm too lazy. Um, but I, 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 you know, to me, that's a good thing, you know, managing by walking around, which basically means that you're sort of shooting first and ask, asking questions later. You know, I'm, I'm not convinced that was a great man, management style to begin with. So, you know, it sounds like, well, to, to me, when I worked with virtual assistants, it required a great deal of discipline on my part to communicate thoroughly, to anticipate potential questions, particularly in the beginning, you know, things aren't going to get done as quickly as you would like because there's a training period. And even from, you know, from my perspective, what I did is I made training videos. So I had a little stupid videos I made with my Mac and QuickTime and or actually Zoom and recorded like a five-minute training video. Here's how you do X, Y, or Z. And um, you know, I, I do think that that's a big part of why my virtual assistant experience worked very well. Do you think things like that represent best practices? And if so, what, what other best practices have I missed? Yeah, I, I think, well, the more you can document your processes and procedures, the better be it video or however you want to get that done. Um, 
to me, in my world, I uh, work with people who don't need to be managed. And I think selecting the right person who uh, can work independently, who is uh, proactive, who can anticipate, uh, who who's seasoned basically and uh, knows knows what pretty much what what the role entails uh, that that was should be the people that that you should select to work with so the who who you uh, the question is um, who is not a good fit for a virtual assistant and I say it's a person who's a micromanager hmm. Uh, if you if you have the right person, if you if you have a clear, clearly defined job description with detailed uh, SOPs, standard operating procedures, uh, you just uh, work through what your expectations are, your what what your what your turnaround time is, how best to communicate with one another, and then uh, let it rip. And and you know it 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 goes back to kind of a core theme that, you know, these are things that I think good managers should have been doing all along, right? It's well documented that micromanagers are not very effective. Teams generally hate working for micromanagers, um, particularly teams that are high powered, that are intelligent ones that aren't so, or maybe are, are, are less motivated. Maybe they like, working for a micromanager because it takes the thought process out. But if you really want high performing people, right, being able to let go um, is, is so critical and, you know, like it or not for a lot of us in this pandemic, you're having to let go. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, for a while we were hearing, I wonder if, did you hear about these, these apps that were starting to gain traction where companies were trying to make their employees load apps on their computers to track just how much time they actually were working versus not. And uh, I mean, that just, that just drove me crazy. I'm like, if my firm ever did that, I'm, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not going to subject my employees to that. Well, the thing about it is when you hire someone, you have to go into the relationship based on trust. Yeah. Otherwise you don't, you don't have anything going on. So, so you, you bring up an interesting point right there and, and you touched upon this earlier, earlier, and I want to come, I want to come back to it. So, I mean, in, in your world, you must interview lots of prospective virtual assistants, correct? I do. However, I do have some, I've uh, recruited some of my HR angels to, to do a pre-screening for me. Okay. But, um, uh, Good. So when you are considering a virtual assistant, in your mind, what are the most important things to find out about them? And what's the best way to go about doing that? Well, of course, I want to see their, their resume. I want to see their work history. Um, we do a thorough vetting process. Uh, I developed an uh, angel questionnaire, I call it, uh, where they have to write an essay, basically speaking, uh, and they have to tell me in their own words why they want to do this and how, what do they bring to the table? How can they uh, improve that, the life of a small business owner 
with what they with with the work that they would um, provide. So it it gives me a lot of good input as to their where they're coming from in terms of their personality. Uh, and then, of course, I, I always interview them in in person or now through Zoom uh, to get a really better sense for their uh, personality because skill set being equal for me, what may, really makes or breaks a relationship is um, the chemistry. Can these two people work effectively together? Can they communicate well? Um, for example, I, I was talking and I interview the clients as well because uh, I have to know from both ends if it's going to be a good fit. Yep. Um, so <laughs> I talked to uh, one one client and he said he's from up north and he's very talk, talks real fast and he's very intense. And he says, Essie, I cannot I, I can't handle somebody who talks real slow. I said, got it. <laughs> <laughs> well that, that i mean look that that's fair and i know exactly what you're talking about i used to work on wall street for a few years and uh there's there's a there's a different cadence right um they used to have those old fedex fast talker commercials right and and i guess in nashville that was considered fast talking but up in up in new york and boston that's that's just how we talk <laughs> uh, we, we were kind of wondering what the gag was frankly so <laughs> Um, so you, you, you talk about personality and, and that's, you know, the thing that strikes me as we get into this conversation and maybe I should have realized it before, but it's only really hitting me now is, you know, you are, you are a recruiter in effect. Right? I'm a matchmaker. Matchmaker. And, and, and really, I mean, is it, is it fair to say that, that, that the, the hiring practices that are good for hiring a full-time employee, a lot of those do kind of translate over into hiring somebody or some people as virtual assistants. Oh, I would say so. Absolutely. But, you know, I have a question. Why is there so much dysfunction in corporate America if everybody does smart hiring? Yeah, well, look, we are, there, there's, um, uh, there's definitely a lot of bad hiring out there, um, and 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 sort of and sort of puzzling. But I, you know, and unfortunately, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I think it's because there's a lot of cynicism out there. That there, there are just a number of managers that treat people as commodities, and the way they get to a good person is they feel like they just have to go through eight others, like it's like it's cold calling basically, wow. and. Um, I always say that you have to really learn how to be a good boss. So how do you be a good boss to, to a virtual assistant? And, and do they have needs that are maybe different from, you know, a more conventional employee? Well, it, again, from my own experience, I, I work with uh, what I have dubbed the at-home workforce. And these are seasoned professionals who have, chosen to permanently leave the full-time workforce for various and sundry reasons. Um, so they're not temping. They're not um, interested in anything full-time. Uh, so you have to be mindful that they do have other things going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, they may have other clients. 
They may be caring for a special needs child or they, or, or their aging parents. Um, so, so I think that it's important, it's very, very important to understand, you know, if you are not hiring someone full time, if you're hiring someone full time, then of course they're going to be on call, uh, say 40 hours a week yep. from nine to five. Yep. Um, but most of the people that I know that are using virtual assistants are not in need of a, of a full-time person. Uh, and um, so then it becomes, you know, you, you need to have a person who has <laughs> extremely good time management skills and um, who Ha, you know, is accustomed to working, say, if they're working with multiple clients, managing all of them. And um, uh, so, therefore, it, it, you know, it becomes very important on vetting the person that you're, you're going to bring in, making sure that, uh, you know, so that they, they already have experience in doing this. It's, you know, you can give somebody a first chance, but understand that it's going to take uh, it, it's going to take a while to get into a good rhythm to make sure that um, it's working uh, and that you're 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 getting the value out of the uh, out of what you're buying in terms of their time and expertise. So, so there are two points there I want to follow up on because I think they're I think they're so important. One is, you know another kind of profile of somebody who probably is not a good fit for a virtual assistant, at least as their primary one is someone who just needs to own their time. Right. So if you, if you need to have somebody on call that nine to five, eight to six, whatever you agree upon, whatever the job description is that whenever you call, they're more or less going to drop whatever they're doing and address your issue. Right. That's not, that's that's not necessarily an appropriate role for a virtual assistant because, and yeah, you are maybe one of a number of clients and they're a virtual assistant for a particular reason because they have a family obligation, health obligation, whatnot. And and so, you know, that that's a way to to decide not to go that route, that you need to have somebody that, that really is on your staff. Absolutely, because uh, most virtual assistants are working as independent contractors, which means that uh, you're not you you're not controlling them. They are they are controlling their own uh, time and and methods of delivery of the service. Um, if you need somebody, I would uh, to me I, I draw the line at twenty hours a week. If you need someone more than twenty hours a week, then you really just need to hire a, a bona fide employee. Yeah, and, and frankly, I guess not that I'm an accountant, but but I mean, after a certain number of hours, the IRS takes over and says they have to be an employee, right? If you dominate enough of their of their of their income, then the IRS doesn't care what your contract says; they will come in and say this person's an employee. So yeah, and I know. think they're getting a little. Uh, it's going to become much more stringent. You do? Why is that? There's a new administration. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. Um, um, so, so the other, the other question I wanted to follow up with you or a comment I want to make too, is that, you know, it's, it's, I think, unfortunately, there's a temptation for some people to, to treat 
a virtual relationship different from a physical, not intimate, but physical, just analog relationship for lack of a better term. Right. And, and something you touched upon that I want to kind of, kind of, you know, tuss out here or suss out here is, is, you know, just as you would give an employee sort of a breaking in period, you need to do that with virtual assistants, maybe even more so just because of the limitations of, 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 of technology in terms of communication. Um, you know, it's a, it's a bad mistake to just, just because somebody is, just because somebody is, has their relationship with you online, that doesn't make them interchangeable and disposable. Absolutely. I think, you you know, you have to go into the relationship with a mutual respect and trust. Um, and if you've done a good job at putting together a job description that the your assistant is uh, signing off on and agreeing with, um, then that becomes the, um, you know, the the way that you can hold that person responsible for their job performance. Um, and, and you do have to trust that they're going to get the work done. That's why it's so important to set the time frame, the expectation, you know, when, and the communication, when, when do I need this finished by? Yep. Um, let's have a, you know, let's schedule a touch base every Monday morning at nine o'clock. And then sketch out the tasks to be done during the week, and you know how what what's the best way to communicate, and and um, um, you know you can't expect. And some people send emails to their assistants uh, at two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> right? Which, which is okay. I mean, which is okay on a surface. I mean, I, I confess, I'm a uh, I'm a night owl just because of the way our own our own daily routine is, is set up. I'm helping with the house and homeschooling during the day. And I get my, a lot of my work done at night. Um, but I don't expect a response at 2 a.m. <laughs> right. Well, some, <laughs> okay. So if you do, if you were to that response, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't work out too well. <laughs> yeah. But although that brings up, you know, it brings up another question I wanted to ask because, uh, you know, I've had a, he is more than a virtual assistant. He was a part-time financial analyst, but the, the, the framework is the same who was, uh, who's in India. And, um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a significant time difference. I think it's, I think it's 11 hours. If I remember, it's a lot. And my understanding is in fact, a lot of virtual assistants do work overseas. Philippines, a big source for them, I think in particular, because a lot of them have good command of English. Um, and, and my question is, do you have, do you have experience? Do you, in, do you have in your relationships, people who are abroad that work as virtual assistants? And can you talk about maybe the, the advantages, the disadvantages and some of the advantages of having somebody as your virtual assistant who works halfway around the world? Well, I think one of the advantages, uh, depending on the time zone is that you can, you can really leverage that time difference. Um, in my experience, well, first of all, I I, I want to provide jobs to people right here in the good old U.S. of A. Okay. Um, I many clients who have worked with overseas virtual assistants come end up coming coming around. Uh, you know, we can't compete price wise clearly, but 
Um, they find that the, the culture is different. And even though they, they are English speaking, uh, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's uh, different. It's different. And, um, so it, it, they, it, it turns out depending on the nature of the, of the work at hand, uh, it's, it's just really not, uh, giving them the, the, the results that they that they need. So they, they come, they come over to me. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, I, I like to talk about something you said, cause I, I sense in your voice, it's really important to you. You clearly have decided you're going to focus on sourcing talent here in the United States. So why is that so important to you? Uh, well, because uh, I, I uh, am very proud to be an American, and I think that there are plenty of people right here at home that need good work. Um, I started my company 21 years ago at, just to support women in particular hmm. who um, needed to to work but on their own terms, basically speaking, because they needed to be at home to raise their kids and care for their special needs kids and and uh, it, it was an all or nothing proposition. If, if you wanted to have a corporate job, you had to really put your family on the back burner and your own and your own health, not to mention that. Yep. So um, so I said, well, I, I, I want there are so many small businesses and nonprofits and associations that need help, but don't need a full time employee. It, and, and why should why shouldn't these people be able to work. So that's where, that's my mission. That's my focus. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm kind of going off script, but I'm, I'm just asking out of asking out of curiosity, how many virtual assistants do you currently have act you know, that are active that you've connected with clients? F- around 50. Okay. That's a lot. That's that's a lot. Sounds like a lot of air traffic control. So, and a lot of jobs. So, there's not a lot of air traffic control. All of these people basically fly on autopilot okay. because they don't need to be managed. Okay. If I if I do a good job at matching up the clients and my angels, as I call them, they don't. I don't. I have very little need to uh, interfere. Okay. So um, how does the, how does the payment model work for, I guess, you know, you can't talk about it in the world, of course, but of your virtual assistants, are they, is, is the payment model simply an hourly rate? Is it a flat monthly retainer? Is it a minimum number of hour commitment to kind of keep them on, on the roster? Is it project based? Is it all over the board? Something I'm not thinking of. How, how, how does, how do the economics work? Well, there are uh, there are virtual assistant agencies out there who have um, you have to buy a block of time, use or lose. Uh, you may or may not have the same person supporting you from week to week, month to month. Um, in for my business. Uh, we don't do that. We have no minimums. Uh, I basically make make a match, and mo- most of the work that we do, we do on an hourly fee basis. We 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 do projects. We we will put uh, 
a scope of work together and do do a, a project. But for the most part, it's it's on an hourly basis because uh, we need to go with the ebb and flow of the uh, small business owner. And um, why should you be paying for something when you don't have the work to be done? That that doesn't sit well with me. So and because I'm working with people who are at home, they understand that this is not a full time permanent job with a steady, steady stream of revenue. It's it's going to be uh, as needed in my business model, which is I I have to say it's uh, it's out of the ordinary. (laughs) I don't know anybody else who's doing it this way, but it works. Well, I mean, it's, it seems to work. I mean, you're right. I think one of the barriers, w- one question that might cause someone to hesitate about retaining a virtual assistant is, or any assistant is, you know, I'm not sure I have enough work for them. And now I think in my, in my experience, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think once you have a relationship with a virtual assistant that works, pretty quickly you're going to find you're going to want to offload more and more things to them. You're going to keep them more busy, not less. Okay, you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I do when I'm talking to a prospective client, they will ha- they will come to me with their one or two or three pain points. And uh, I'll give them a homework assignment. And I'll say, as you go about your routine, I want you to jot down tasks and jot down tasks that and we'll go over the list, we'll prioritize it, we'll figure out there are tasks that only you can do. But for the most part, there are most of the tasks you can you can outsource. Um, and so that that helps me in the matchmaking process because I'll find a person who can do a good number of the tasks on the list, and then I'll say, Hey, we can start off with baby steps and and as we grow into the relationship and and have a good workflow and have good communication. And I say, I always say, number one, we have to earn your trust. Number two, we have to demonstrate that our services more than pay for themselves. And that happens very quickly. And, um, and, and, and sure enough, you start offloading more tasks to that, to that one person. So, so let's say that, you know, there's a listener and, and, you know, they're they're thinking to themselves, "Great, I want to I want to try out this virtual assistant model." H- how would they get started? Uh, like I said, the first thing they need to do is um, decide. You know, look around and say, "Okay, typically, what are the things that you're going to need help with?" You can ask yourself the question: What am I procrastinating about? Usually we procrastinate when it's something that we don't like to do, want to do, know how to do, or have time to do. So it's a procrastination problem. <laughs> well, uh, now, once you, I'm sorry, I, I didn't phrase that question as well as I would like. What, how do you go about finding one, right? Once you've decided that, once you've gone through that task of setting up what you'd like that individual or maybe team to do, how do you find that team? Okay, well, that that's a good question. You, I guess you can ask around, you can go out to the internet, or you can give me a call. Okay, well, hopefully, hopefully they'll they'll, they'll call you first before they go out to the wild, uh, the wild west of of the internet. So, 
Um, we're talking to S.E. Escobedo of uh, Office Angels, and we're talking about retaining virtual assistants. Um, we're running out of time, and I want to be respectful of, of your time, but a couple more questions I do want to get in. And, and one is, um, we've, we've spoken, I think, largely from the perspective of a small business owner that needs virtual assistant help. Is it only small business owners that might be hiring a virtual assistant or, you know, could somebody like me that, that doesn't have a dedicated assistant resource within a larger firm? Are there people like me who are, who hire a virtual assistant in order to kind of have their own resource or are there other scenarios, maybe family office scenarios, something else where, where, you know, somebody else might find it useful and, and reasonable to consider a virtual assistant. Yes. Uh, we, we, uh, we've worked with uh, real estate agents, financial advisors, uh, some attorneys, some, even some CPAs that have uh, brought in uh, outsourced help, so to speak, without having to hire an, uh, an employee. Uh, sometimes the company will, will pay for that. Oftentimes it comes out of the individual's own pocket. Now, um, another question I want to ask is, you know, one way one could find a virtual assistant is through one of these online matchmaking sites, the Fivers of the world, the Elances of the world, and so forth. What are the benefits of working through an organization like yours relative to uh, relative to one of those online kind of marketplaces, if you will? I think it's in, in our vetting process. Um, we're, we're highly selective and uh, they go through a, a rigorous interview process. Um, we also have a very stable uh, workforce. Um, and uh, we also put in place a, a backup mechanism Uh you know, if you're hiring somebody, you really don't know who they are out there in, 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 in the world. Um, everyone who comes to work for us has to be referred. Hmm. So I think that make that you have a much higher quality. And um, you know, in working in a virtual situation, you really have to you have to place a lot of trust in the person that's supporting you. They're, they're going to be privy to a lot of confidential information and uh, passwords and so forth. That's really interesting. The fact that they have to be referred, right? So you're, you're kind of like the Freemasons of the, of the virtual assisting world, right? And, you know, and to, 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 to get in, you have to be referred in as a member. That's really interesting. And I think that's important because, you know, Fiverr and Elance and, and the others, they have their rating systems, right? But, you know, there are services, there are bots that will artificially create those rating services. And, you know, I, I like, I consider myself fairly technologically advanced, but I'm still enough of a, of a curmudgeonly Gen Xer where, you know, I think one referral is worth a hundred rating stars any day of the week is better than a hundred rating stars. Well, the bottom line is it makes my life so much easier because I know who these people are and where they came from. And, um, so it, 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 you really, uh, I, I, the people who I, in my network are not going to send me someone who's going to cause trouble. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. 
Yep. I, I, yep. I can imagine. Um, and I would not want to cause trouble for you. That's for sure. So, um, Essie, this has been a great conversation. We're, we're running out of time. I got to wrap things up, but if, if people want to learn more about this topic, want to ask you maybe a follow-up about virtual assistance, um, can they contact you? And if so, what's the best way to do so? I, I like to talk to people so they can call me 770-442-9246. Uh, they can we can set up a Zoom call. Of course, they can email me. Uh, I, I I I'll take a text if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I think um, so. So the telephone that's very quaintly retro. Um, I think I have to go back. I think you're probably only the second person that's given out their phone number on the program. So good for you. Um. That's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Essie Escobedo so much for joining us and sharing her expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week. So please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Wearing Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.